welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. Kids, y'all can go back with Miss Whitney for Kids Church, K through 2nd. Good to be with y'all here today. Uh, If you have your Bibles and you want to open them up, we're going to be in the book of Ezekiel, going Old Testament today. We're going to be at the end of Ezekiel chapter 47. This is uh, kind of the culmination, like I said, of our 50th anniversary series as we've been celebrating all the ways that God has been faithful to us and seeds of hope that God is calling us to sow into this community of faith as we look forward to 50 more years of ministry Excuse me, at this church. Um, over in our 11 o'clock service, our former pastors are here. Um, we've had a few senior pastors that are walking around here. So if you see someone with name tags, they're either a senior pastor or former pastor here or a charter member. So say hi to them if you see them. Also, as we're uh, looking into Advent, the Christmas uh, sermon series we're doing, it's called Roots, and we're going to be pairing it with sort of a daily devotional book. Um, if you may have seen them, we started advertising them this week. There are these small devotional books that are about $5, and it takes about three minutes to go through a devotional together, and it has about two discussion questions per day that just foster great faith conversations with your family. I'd highly encourage you all to get one, and we're selling them in the commons uh, on Sunday morning uh, throughout the, the Advent series. But today, as we look and we come to the book of Isaiah... We're looking at what is the message of God to us today as we celebrate 50 years? What is the message that the Lord wants us to grab a hold of? In Ezekiel, it's strangely one of my favorite books, which is weird because it's a very dark book for a lot of it. Very, very not hope. Not a lot of hope in Ezekiel. But there's this weird, there's this shift near the end of the book of Ezekiel where it goes from sort of uh, proclamations of judgment against the people of God to a period of hope and transformation. And so we're going to be looking at the end of Ezekiel today. I want to start off by reading Ezekiel 41 through 4. In the 25th year of our exile, at the beginning of the year on the 10th of the month in the 14th year after the fall of the city, on that very day the hand of the Lord was on me and he took me there. In the visions of God, he took me to the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain on whose the south side were some buildings that looked like a city. He took me there and I saw a man whose appearance was like bronze and he was standing in the gateway with a linen cord and a measuring rod in his hand. The man said to me, son of man, look carefully and listen closely. Pay attention to everything I am going to show you. For this is why you have been brought here. Tell the people of Israel everything that you see. Uh, The book of Ezekiel is to the people in southern Judah. It's to a people who had actively rebelled against the Lord, who were living in open sin and rebellion and idolatry. In fact, one of the proclamations of judgment against the people of Judah is that they had taken their children and sacrificed them to pagan gods, a detestable practice in the eyes of the Lord. And so there's this call throughout the book of Ezekiel 
about upcoming judgment against the people for their idolatry and sin. There's this, there's this underlying kind of hope of, if you'll just repent and turn back to me, I will relent of this judgment coming upon you. And as we know the story of the Bible, we know that the people of God continue in their sin, continue in their rebellion, and so the judgment of the Lord comes. <clears throat> and what, what happens is there's this period, there's this 70-year stretch of time called the Babylonian exile, where the people of God are taken by the Babylonians. So Babylon, the ancient empire at the time, comes to Jerusalem, besieges the holy city of Jerusalem, destroys the walls of Jerusalem, goes into the temple of Jerusalem, captures the king of Judah, ships him off to Babylon, goes to the temple of God, burns the temple of God to the ground, takes the holy golden artifacts that was used for the worship of Yahweh, and takes all those and hauls it all off to Babylon. And the people of God are also taken from Jerusalem and hauled off to Babylon as well. So there's this period of 70 years, this Babylonian exile, where the people of God are sent off because of their sin and idolatry. <clears throat> Jerusalem is sacked, beaten, devastated, destroyed. And about 25 years after that is where our scripture reading today takes place. Ezekiel 40 says that 25 years after all this, 25 years after the people of God have been in Babylon, the people of God who at this point, 25 years is a long time, most of my life, uh, they've been a generation in Babylon. Children have been born and been raised in Babylon. People have died in Babylon. People have been married in Babylon. And the people of God have probably been wondering, where is the hope in the middle of all this? devastation, ruin, and exile. And the Lord comes and visits the prophet Ezekiel, says, tell my people what I'm about to do. Tell my people what I'm about to do. In a time of ruin and hopelessness and devastation, the Lord says, now is a time for a word of hope. In the beginning of the book of Ezekiel, there's this image that Ezekiel has this vision of the glory of the Lord leaving the temple of God and going away from Jerusalem as sort of a symbol of that the, the sin and idolatry of the people of Jerusalem is so abhorrent in the eyes of the Lord that he is leaving, that his presence is leaving them. And we see, we starts off the book that way, and then at the end of the book, we get this in Ezekiel 43. And then the man brought me to the gate facing east, and I saw the glory of the God of Israel coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters, and the land was radiant with his glory. The vision I saw was like the vision I had seen when he had come to destroy the city, and like the visions I had seen by the Kabar River, and I fell face down. And the glory of the Lord entered the temple through the gate facing the east. And then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. While the man was standing beside me, I heard someone speaking to me from inside the temple, and he said, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place for the soles of my feet. This is where I will live among the Israelites forever. And the people of Israel will never again defile my holy name. This period of uh, pr 
this visions that the prophet Ezekiel is seeing. Basically, the angel is showing him all the ways in which the temple is going to be rebuilt. And then after the temple is rebuilt, the presence of the Lord comes back to Zion, comes back to dwell in the temple of the Lord, that the glory of the Lord returns to the places of devastation, ruin, and desolation. You know, as we were watching that video, uh, I don't know if this stuck out to you as well, but it stuck out to me that the past feels like five years here have really been a lot of ruin, devastation. Maybe it feels like the walls of Jerusalem have been torn down. Maybe it feels like the temple of God has been burnt to the ground and all there is is the foundation. Maybe you feel like after all that this church has experienced over these past five years, you're wondering, where is the Lord in the middle of all this? Where is our word of hope? When is the glory of the Lord going to shine on us again? Maybe in your own personal life, you have your own inner devastation, your own personal ruin, your own personal thing that you're struggling with, and you're wondering, where is my word of hope? Where is the Lord in the middle of all this? Where, oh, where is God? And it's in that space, in that season of life, that the word of the Lord comes to the exiles. Hear the word of the Lord from Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12. And the man brought me back to the entrance to the temple. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced the east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar, and then he brought me out through the north gate and led me around to the outside, to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, and then he led me through water, and that water was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. And he measured off another thousand and led me through water that was waist deep. And he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? And then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, the waters flow toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters into the Dead Sea. And when it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live where the water flows. There will be great number of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the water flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand on the shore from the En Gedi to the En And there will be places for spreading nets, and the fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them, and their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. The Word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God.
thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUNC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. It's this very vivid imagery that Ezekiel's getting here, isn't it? This great, inspiring, almost awe-and-wonder vision that the angel is showing to the prophet Ezekiel. He has this vision of the temple that where there once was ruin and devastation is now fully rebuilt in full splendor and glory, and the presence of God is now dwelling with the temple. And it says that he looks to the temple, and there's this sort of trickle of water slowly coming out from the threshold of the temple of God. In the, in the Hebrew, uh, the word trickle is, is like an automatopoeia. It's like pak is the Hebrew word for it. So it's like a, the sound of when you pour out a clay bottle, it makes that noise like pak, 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 pak. And so Ezekiel sees the trickle of water, almost like a bottle of water slowly being poured out, making that noise coming out of the temple of the Lord. Just a small bit of water a trickle, a trickle maybe the size of a mustard seed, or maybe like a little bit of yeast worked into the dough, as Clint talked about last week. And then the angel measures off this total distance. He measured off uh, a distance of a thousand cubits. Uh, The total distance of what he measured between the trickle and the stream is about 1.3 miles, or about the distance from here to First Baptist down the road. It's a very short distance that this trickle of water, this little bubbling, this little tiny trickle becomes a mighty deep stream that no one can cross. It's this image that Ezekiel is walking down the river and it gets deeper and deeper, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and finally he's swimming in the river because it is so deep and massive and wide. And then you hear the exclamation of the angel, Son of man, do you see this? Do you see what the Lord is doing? Do you see what God is doing right now? The excited exclamation of the angel at this wondrous vision that the Lord is showing Ezekiel. Um, I was telling this in the first service, and I felt like a really big nerd, so I'm just going to embrace it and go for it. Uh, So we got really into Rings of Power recently, and I don't know if you've seen it, the new Lord of the Rings show on Amazon. Uh, The first episode in Rings of Power opens up with this sort of magnificent vision of Valinor. It's this, uh, there's this mighty tree, and it's this lush oasis, and it's just this paradise-like existence, and you're just sort of in awe and wonder at the sight of this scene as you're watching the show. And I feel like that's a bit of the awe and wonder that we're supposed to capture here when we read this in Ezekiel. That Ezekiel turns and he looks towards the stream and he looks up from the stream and suddenly he is seeing trees of all kinds surrounding the river, different types of tree, different fruit trees and different mighty magnificent trees, almost like when you go down Westlake Houston Parkway, right near um, HEB, there's those mighty, magnificent oak trees that are spread all throughout the road, and you're just driving down, and you're like, wow, isn't this incredible? 
Son of man, do you see what God has done? And the river, the river flows, it says, through the Arabah to the Dead Sea. The Arabah was a desert in Israel. The river of God flows through the desert and turns desert places to wonderful paradise-like oasises. And place where there's no water, the river of life comes not only to bring water, but to bring life wherever it goes. And it flows down into the Dead Sea. If you know anything about the Dead Sea, uh, it's, it's a dead place. Because there's so, the water there is so salty. There's no exit for the Dead Sea. So it just has over thousands of years, you have this mineral deposit that is so high and so concentrated in the Dead Sea. If you've ever visited Israel and gone and visited the Dead Sea, one of the big tourist attractions there is to swim in the Dead Sea. But because it's so salty there, you float on the top of the water almost like a cork if you threw a cork on water. And you can try to swim down as, as much as you can, but you, you can't because it's so salty that there's no life that exists in the Dead Sea except for a few bacteria. And so you have the river of God flowing from the temple into this place of death, into this place of desolation. It flows through the desert to the Dead Sea. And it says that once the water of life reaches the Dead Sea, that it turns that salty, dead water fresh. I don't know a lot about science, but I do know that when you mix salt and fresh water together, it's the fresh water that's usually ruined. But in the vision of Ezekiel, it's the river of life that turns the toxic waters fresh. It's the river of life that turns the dead sea into a thriving sea. In fact, the transformation is so profound that the, the life and the abundance of fish and creatures in this sea are so immense that they will rival the Mediterranean Sea, which was a sea of abundance. And you look at the transformation from the sea. In fact, the Hebrew word for the, the, the waters being transformed from uh, salt water to fresh water, it's the Hebrew word for healed. That the waters are healed by the touch from the living water of God. It's almost like a diseased limb coming to life because the truth of the prophet Ezekiel and the truth that the Lord needs for us to hear today is wherever God goes, wherever the river of life goes, life comes with it. That our God is a God of life and he brings life wherever he goes. That life swarms where death once reigned because of Jesus. Son of man, do you see what the Lord is doing? Do we have eyes to see what the prophet is telling us? That we, people who maybe feel like we're in desolation people who feel like the walls of Jerusalem are torn down, that our temple is nothing but a burnt, crispy foundation, that we can have this hope that our God is a God of life, that the river of life 
originates in the person of God. He is the one who makes dead things come to life. He is the one who raised Jesus from the dead. He is the one who turns toxic waters to waters of life. The one who plants us beside the streams of the living water where our fruit never dies and our leaves are for healing. Son of man, do you see what God is doing in our midst. And we know the stories of gospel transformation. We know the stories in our own lives. We know the stories in our friends' lives of those who have encountered the living God and it changed their life. We know the stories of our own past of how when we encountered the living one, the holy one of Israel, that our lives have changed for the better because we have seen the face of God. We have drunk deep from the waters of life and we are swimming in the life of God. That's why I'm up here. I'm sure that's why all of you are here, because you have encountered the living God, or at least you're curious about the waters of life that are flowing from the throne room of heaven, that the water of life, the living water of God, He desires to pour it lavishly out over us, that this trickle from the threshold of the temple becomes a mighty river that changes everything it touches. And the beauty of this, friends, is that we don't have to do anything to earn it. This is pure grace. It's not by our own efforts. It's not by our own technology or ingenuity that dead things come to life. It's by the grace and power of God that dead things become restored again. These were the words for the exiles in Babylon who had been there for 25 years, who had been there for a generation, and suddenly in the middle of their hopelessness, the Lord breaks into it and says, it's time to hope again. It's time to hope again. It's time to expect me to do something new in your midst. Son of man, do you see what the Lord is doing Friends, as we're closing our 50th celebration as a church, and as we look forward to 50 more years of what God is going to do in our midst, what we've been doing through these videos for the past few weeks is we've been telling the story of dead seas becoming seas of life. We've been telling the stories of trees planted by the water of life. We've been telling stories of fruit that never dies, of leaves that are for healing. We've been telling the story about how a small trickle of water became a mighty stream, almost like a mustard seed planted in the garden. The kingdom of God has come. Jesus is alive. He is victorious over death, and he is actively working to turn back the curse. And he invites us to swim in the waters of life, that Jesus is victorious over death, over sin, over demons, and the victory of the Lord is ours. Jesus is coming like this mighty, mighty river of life. And wherever the curse is found as the, the great Christmas song is, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. Wherever the curse exists in our world, he brings blessing and life in its place. Son of man, do you see what God is doing?
Isn't this an exciting vision for our church? Isn't this why we come on a Sunday morning? Isn't this why we serve in ministries? Isn't this why we do all of this? Because we believe our God can turn dead things to life. He can bring hope to hopeless situations. Do we hear the excitement of heaven? That God is doing a new thing among us. That life has come into our midst. Do we hear and see what God is doing in our midst? Are we looking around and saying, Lord, where is the river of life? Where are you flowing? Where can I jump in and dive in so that I can help you bring life to all these desert places? Do we hear the voice of the angel or have we closed our ears and shut our eyes to what the Lord is doing? Are we missing it? Or do we hear the call of the angel say, son of man, do you see? I want to close with a story. Um, I got permission to share this um, from Paul Ellis. You may know him. He's on our prayer team and a member here. Recently, Paul got a new job with Texas Children's Hospital. And as he started working there, he felt this sort of tug in his heart from the Lord uh, to become a chaplain at Texas Children's. And so he went through all the training that's necessary to become a volunteer chaplain at Texas Children's, and he goes through all these steps, and he becomes a, a chaplain, and every Thursday for the past five weeks, he's been volunteering as a chaplain, and where they put him is a chaplain in the NICU unit a desert place, a dead sea. And he was telling us this story, story after story yesterday of all the, all the ways that he's seen the Lord in the middle of that, of that circumstance and all the, all the hopelessness that seems to exist in the NICU unit. And I, he said this, and I'll never forget it. He said, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing there, but all I know is that I'm supposed to be there. And the reason he's supposed to be there is because of what the prophet Ezekiel says. Fruit trees of all kind will grow on the banks of the river. Their leaves will never wither, nor their fruit fail, and every month they will bear fruit because the waters from the sanctuary flow to them, and their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Friends, we are called to be trees where our leaves are healing balms for others where the fruit of our life is sustenance for others. Church, this is the call of God on our lives. This is the call of God for this place here. We are not afraid of dead places. We are not afraid of desert places. We are not afraid to go to where there is diseased waters because we know the one who turns deserts into gardens. We know the one who turns dead seas to waters of life. We know the one from whom water is trickling forth from the heavenly places and it becomes a mighty stream of living water. Friends, the kingdom of God is here. Repent, Jesus says. The kingdom of God is here. The river of life is flowing in our midst. Son of man, do you see all that the Lord is doing? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. As we remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, we remember that in order for there to be life, there had to first be death. 
Jesus who gave his life for us, who when he was with his friends, he broke bread, and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, Father. So this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of it, do it in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we can be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by your blood. Lord Jesus, plant us beside those streams of living water. Lord, have that vision that was for your people long ago be a vision for us today. Lord, have us wait with great expectancy of what you are going to do in our midst. Lord, have us be trees planted by the water of life where our leaves can be healing for others because you are the God of life. You are the God of resurrection. And we declare all this as we say the prayer that your son taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.